Hey everybody, welcome to another fantastic edition of Renegades Roundup. I'm Zach Arnold, your host. Happy to bring you this fantastic episode. And the reason I say it's fantastic is because we're fans, number one. And also because we got a lot of really great content to talk about. Last week's game, probably not the best content, but we can look forward to this week's game, Joe. And uh, a lot of shakeups, both in the coaching staff and on the roster, to talk about tonight as well. Yes, that's uh, that's right, Zach. And a lot of uh, you know those shakeups. You know, I'm really excited to get into those because we both were talking back and forth about these shakeups and the coaching all weekend. And so uh, it'll be interesting to hear our takes on that. And uh, before we get started, though, did you see my Twitter? Uh, my tweet, my tweet. Yeah, the tweet from losing the insider Celsius yeah, so, this week. So oh, an update, poor you. An update for everyone who listens to the podcast. I am part of a group called Insider Celsius, and what we do is since uh, Bud Light Seltzer sponsors the XFL, we have decided we are going to pick the winners of all four games. And the losers, I think it was the bottom five records, have to shotgun a seltzer. So I went one and three thanks to Taylor Cornelius uh, not do not being clutch in the fourth quarter against the LA Wildcats. So that made me at one and three, one of the bottom five. And I made a bet with a good friend of the podcast, Jay Noakes, who uh, it, whoever won the last game was going to have to do two shotguns. Oh boy. So if the LA Wildcats had lost, he would have had to do the two shotguns. And unfortunately, it was me. So I did my shotguns. It was a double shotgun, one right after the other. And I, I bit off a corn dog because the man, the man who ruined my life, his nickname is Corn Dog. And I just I couldn't live with that. So yeah, I did that, and then I forgot to swallow the corn dog, and I did the shotguns with it in my mouth. So that with, was pretty oh, gross. Yeah, oh, it was pretty you got, disgusting. You got soggy corn dog. Soggy. It was very oh. soggy. It was not. I could make so many innuendos, but I'm not going to because yeah, yeah, don't, don't, do got, not. We got we got a lot of other stuff to talk about tonight. Yes, we do. Yes, and we do. Speaking of that LA Wildcats Tampa Bay game and just scores from around the league, that's going to bring us to Chamber Number One. Chamber number one, just as a brief recap of all the scores that happened around the league. Um, Houston's win against Seattle kind of proved that uh, even when they got their backs up against a wall, Seattle came out pretty hot, had them pretty close at halftime, and then the Roughnecks found a way to pull away. They, uh, the lone undefeated team in the XFL, congratulations to them, with a 32-23 win against the Dragons. Uh, D.C., Held on for a win against St. Louis. That was probably the game of the week, a final score of 15-6. to And then the Wildcats in the XFL after dark, as it was being dubbed, uh, LA 41, Tampa Bay 34. We had a lot of really good games this week. It's just that our game wasn't one of them. No, it was not. It was probably <laughs> the worst game out of the weekend because, like you said, that Houston Roughnecks game, Seattle was in it for a bit. B.J. Daniels provided a spark for them that I think they needed, and I think they could turn their season around. I know they're 1-4 and four now, but they, there's still a lot of time. They go they go 5-0 and oh here the second half of the season. They find themselves in possible playoff contention. Well, and the, the playoff seeding, as I understand it, primarily has to do with your record against other teams in the division. And so if they're able to work on their division record, you know, win a couple of games that maybe they're not expected to win, pull off an upset here and there. Uh, they haven't played Houston at home yet, have they? Uh, I don't think they have. No, I think they so have. So the second no. half of this season, they've still got Houston at home, and then they got to go 
Uh, Got to go to Dallas, and that'll be a fun game. That'll to, be a fun game. That'll be a fun game to watch. That's when Landry Jones is expected back for Dallas. Right. So that should be a really interesting matchup. A couple of teams playing at their strengths late in the season. Um, but, yeah, like like you said, um, they, they stayed in it and kept it competitive, a lot more competitive than I was expecting it to be. Yeah. And, honestly, that uh, Wildcats-Vipers game was a little bit – more tightly contested than I was expecting it to be, too. Yeah, it didn't start out that way. Taylor Cornelius, the corn dog, had them out on fire in the first quarter, and I, I was already thinking I wouldn't have to shotgun this week, mm-hmm. but unfortunately, uh, Tampa Bay's running back goes down, um, and man, once once we, your one of your best running backs goes down, everything kind of just fell apart there for the, the Vipers, and Josh Johnson led uh, the Wildcats on a huge uh, comeback. So, uh, uh, you know, good for them. And uh, uh, lost my train of thought, Zach. And, uh, but, you know, I thought we were going to maybe see overtime. And we that's came something, close. That was something I was really looking forward to. We came close. And, and just Tampa Bay couldn't do it. Taylor Cornelius does a pick to end the game in the end zone, and uh, that was it. But, I mean, I'm telling you, the fact that it was within one possession – with two minutes to go, you're within the 10- to 15-yard line region. You have every opportunity in front of you to tie or win this ball game. I think that shows the parity of this league, is that any game can be super competitive on any given night. Because the, the Houston-Seattle game was really tight. The L.A.-Tampa Bay game went to the, like the final 30 seconds. And DC St. Louis turned into like more of a defensive battle, which yeah. I I guess that was to be expected considering how tight those defenses have played the first few weeks. But I was not expecting them to be that far uh, under the over under at fifteen to six. Yeah, no, me me either. And honestly, I didn't think DC had a chance in this game, but that defense looked like it just they had a spark under their butt because uh, you know you give up all those points the last two weeks you lose to tampa bay you lose to uh um oh crap i forgot who they lost to Uh, la they lost to la as well yeah and and to come back and give up six points to the other probably the best team in the east in my opinion right now with the st louis Battlehawks. that's that's great and honestly i think it's the magic of the beer snake dude i'm telling you they're trying to set a new world record. They're going to. I feel like they will. They're they're gonna try and get like the Guinness Book of World Records at some point and just try and record a new Guinness World Record for yeah. Beer Snake. And who knows, maybe that Beer Snake magic will show up this week against Dallas, or maybe the Road Warriors will find a way to pull out a win. We'll talk about that in just a little bit here. But let's talk about this previous game, Dallas against New York. It's time for chamber number two. So chamber number two is just going to take a, a quick look. We're not going to try and spend too much time on this because a 30-12 uh, final score is just not something that you really want to talk about for too terribly long. But, dude, I am still kind of at a loss on how we ended up at 30-12. to 12. Like, I thought, even without Landry Jones, that we were a little bit more competitive than that. We were more competitive against St. Louis in week one without Landry Jones. How in the heck do we go from that situation to giving up 30 to New York when our defense didn't even give up 30 to the best offense in the league last week. 
Well, let me tell you, Zach, it's all about uh, turnovers and then not making plays on offense. And when Philip Nelson has two yeah. interceptions and is not reading his reads, he's not making the right throws, he's not making the right decisions, you're not going to win ball games. And it's Fair. it's he's still Mr. No Touchdown, has not scored he a is. touchdown yet. He is. So, uh, and, and then on top of you know him not really playing up to the standard we would like, the play calling from Hal Mummy was just not good. Yeah. A lot of passing, not a lot of running, and not a lot of utilization of Artist Payne and Dunbar. Lance Dunbar had two carries. Two. The ex-Cowboy, who has had pretty good numbers so far this year for the Renegades, you're only going to give him the ball two times? You're only going to give Artist Payne, who is one of the le- one of the leading uh, rushers in the league, or he was... Six six carries? Six carries for 25 yards? I mean, come on, dude. If anything, you need more production from those guys when you got your backup quarterback in. you got to have some kind of support. And Dallas's offensive line has looked tough before. Yes, they have. They've looked like they've been able to carry a running attack before. And for some reason, like you said, it didn't happen. And here here were some of the big turning points for me because the, the I almost forgot – I almost forgot. I had to go back and look at the box score. I almost forgot that this game was tied at six at halftime. It was, yeah. This game was tied at the half, and it finished 30-12. to 12. Those final 30 minutes were what did us in. Yep. And it had a lot to do, like you said, with the pick six that Nelson threw. Mm-hmm. It had a lot to do with a bunch of three and outs. We had way more punts on offense than they did. Yeah, like I think we punted like seven times in that ball game or something, which is ridiculous because you only get maybe twelve possessions in a ball game, and when seven of those are punts, yeah, it's gonna, gonna it's gonna be tough to win ball games that way, and so it, it had to do with that. And then also, uh, when you finally do get a defensive stop, you do get the punt. Somebody fumbles the punt return. Yeah. And gives the ball right <laughs> back to the offense. Yeah, like I said, turnovers, turnovers are killer and turnovers look, it's back to back weeks. Turnovers killed us in the Houston game. That's true. Turnovers killed us this week as That's well. That's true. And when you have your backup quarterback in, you gotta take care of the ball. You are not gonna get as many opportunities as you would with your star uh, quarterback in the game. So you know, it, it it's really another to me it was another week of Dallas shooting themselves in the foot. Because I wasn't expecting that much from Philip Nelson anyways. I mean, I was I was hoping he could get us a couple touchdowns. That's what I really wanted. <laughs> he got I, zero. And, and, and honestly, take away the pick six. Defense only gave up about 20 points, something like that. Yeah. And and honestly, to their to their defense, because I love our defense. They, I do too. They deserve all the credit in the world. They were gassed yes. by the third quarter. Yes. They were gassed because it was Philip Nelson leading the offense to a three and out. Yes. And then the defense has to run back out there. Yes. I so. 100% agree because when you've got an, a defense that is on lockdown like that and they are flying to the ball every single play. I mean, even the Hawk got another interception yeah, in this dude, ball Hawk's game. Yeah, killing it, man. Like, there, there's no blame on the defensive side of the football whatsoever Oh, zero. because I don't even know what the time of possession was, but I can guarantee you it was in New York's favor because they outran us by like double. Okay. Our rushing attack, like you were talking about only went for 56 yards. They ran for 144. Yeah. Their running attack just outdid us. And then total production, they had 373 to our 262. 
And I feel like a lot of that came off of the Luis Perez 80-yard touchdown. And a lot of that came off of the three and outs when the defense is now really, really tired. You get back out there. The the fumble that gave him the short field. Like, a lot of those yardage, it's partially due to miffs on special teams and miffs on offense. Yeah, Zach. And, and honestly, I'm looking at some stats here. There are some positives out of this game. Oh, please, enlighten uh, me. I would love to enlighten you. Uh, please. Fourth down, we were four for five. Okay. So, yeah. hey, if we get into a sick – that's good as we move forward is if we get into a sticky situation, our fourth down conversion rate I think is one of the highest in the league, if not the highest. But do we really want that many fourth down situations? That's my problem. No, no, you don't. But at the same time, you know, we're going to be, you know, on the other side of the 50, on their side of the 50 it was a, lot, a lot of the times. And, and then you, you're going to come to a decision. Do I want to kick it or do I want to, you know, go for fourth down? Now, it, it almost makes it, you know, harder for the Renegades because they have such a good kicker in McGinnis. And, true. and so you don't have to go – like I've seen a lot of these teams, they don't have good kickers. So they have to kind of, okay, we're on the 40. He's not going to make a 50-yard field goal. We're going to go for it. And right. they don't get it and they give the ball up. Whereas we could say, hey, our guy can make that. He's good. And he makes it. And so, so uh, He's you know, still perfect this he, year. He is still perfect, 10 for 10. And so, yeah. So, I mean, uh, to me that's a positive just if, as we head on down the line to where, you know, it comes down to crunch time and we do need a fourth down conversion. I, I feel like we can get that conversion. Okay. Well, I, I, I see that. I hear that. But I'm also looking at this going, I am stunned at how things have turned out. Yeah. Because this was one game that I was looking at going, oh, it's New York at home. This is when we finally get to celebrate our first home victory. Yeah. And, I was thinking that too. And then it's 30 to 12. Like, <laughs> if you take a look at our predictions from last week, that's nowhere close to the predictions that we made. Yeah, what was our prediction? Uh, last week, I think we were predicting like a 20 to 14 Dallas win or a 20 to 13. Oh, boy. And uh, yeah, that kind of got turned on its head. So, again, if you're doing insider Celsius shots and this is the kind of score that I'm predicting. Probably shouldn't place your wagers best on based on what we're saying, folks. Yeah, don't, don't. I have a bad feeling I'm going to be shotgunning every week. So just well, it'll I mean, just be one from now on. There's there's probably worse things to shotgun though. Like what 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 what, loco. what what do what do what do the seltzers even taste like? Are they are it's they like, bland? It's like it's like flavored TV static. Okay. It is flavored TV static. It's honestly not bad. The Bud Light Seltzer out of all the seltzers I've had. I've had Natty Light Seltzer, I've had Bud Light Seltzer, and I've had White Claw. Okay. White Claw is the basic, you know, oh my god, no laws with the claws, you know, stuff like that. So, uh, uh, the Bud Light Seltzer is the best. Angry water with an essence of flavor. That's Yeah, that's actually really, that's a good description right it's there. It's like, like, I've seen people talk about that with La Croix before. Oh, where, LaCroix, where, they're, where they're like, LaCroix, yeah. where, where it's like, I don't know how you pronounce it, I don't drink it, obviously. I, the closest I've come to having one is when I saw it on a display in the TV show Superstore. Right. <laughs> like, I don't go anywhere near that stuff. But I saw a meme once that talked about how uh, that that type of drink is basically fizzy water that was placed next to a lime. And that's what it tastes like. <laughs> and I was like, not entirely, not entirely inaccurate. Um, that's a good description. Yeah. But, I mean, here's the weird thing, dude. New York only had 250 yards against L.A. last week, and they put up 373. Yeah. Do you think 
that we're nearing a place where New York may just be hitting their stride now that they've got some consistency at quarterback in Luis Perez. I honestly, uh, that'd be that's a good take. Um, maybe maybe they have maybe they have found their guy because McGloin obviously was McGloin seems like a cancer in my opinion. Um, so maybe maybe he uh, maybe they have hit their stride and then. Luis uh, Luis Perez is the guy, and you know it's honestly kind of funny. He was it was like a homecoming for him. He played uh, football at AM Commerce. Yep. And so uh, and so that was kind of cool for him, I'm sure. But uh, uh, yeah, I guess we'll just have to wait and see how New York responds as the if, weeks follow, and and see if we just had a bad game or if they're really just hitting their stride and peaking. Well, I mean, if their defense plays against us the way, you know, if they, if they play that way against other teams the way that they played against us. It's going to be tough to beat them right. because that defense made a lot of open field tackles on those bubble screens that we were trying to do. They anticipated the passes. Obviously, Nelson was telegraphing those passes. But if they're able to read the passing game of somebody else, then I really think there are other teams in the league that may be in trouble against New York's pass defense. Yeah. But like you said, we'll have to wait and see. So 30-12, to 12, hoping to rebound – uh, in this coming game. We'll talk about that in just a little bit here, but we've got a couple other segments to talk about first, and one of the big ones is talking about some of the uh, roster and coaching moves that have happened in Dallas and around the league as a whole, and that is going to bring us to chamber number three. Chamber number three is just going to be taking a look at the new roster expansions now that we've hit the midway point of this uh, season. You know, five games are done, and apparently that's when you can expand your rosters from 52 to 57. However, I did learn that your number of active players for game day has to stay the same. Yeah, I, yeah, I so, saw that. So even though the rosters have expanded by a few players, your number of people that you can have listed active for game day has to remain the same. So you're not expanding both of those. You just have to rearrange them a little bit better and strategize who you're going to have active for what game. But it was interesting to see some of the people that Dallas picked up, including the return of one Gerard Hurd. Jay Hurd's back. Back again. Yes, he is. Oh, man, I'm dun, so dun, excited. Dun. I am so excited. I actually I tweeted that, and he didn't like it, so I'm kind of sad about that. <laughs> uh, but, uh, it's yeah. Just, just I, humbling. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. Uh, but, yeah, Gerard Hurd's back, and I think that's a great pickup. He's got the speed. He's got the hands, and they need to air the ball out this week. So he's your guy that he, you can go long to him. I would not be surprised if he ended up replacing Nagel on special teams. Oh, I can see that, too. Especially after Nagel – dropped that punt. I swear, I swear Nagel must eat buttered popcorn before the games because he has dude. had some some kind of problem with hanging on to the football over the last something, few weeks. Something, dude. It's it's crazy. But, I mean, the full list is as follows. So, um, they actually had to put a couple of players on injured slash reserve. Freddie Martino is now on injured reserve. And safety, Diane Jibobu yeah. is also on the injured list. And then we lost an offensive guard in Leka Uatafe. And so instead of picking up five players, we actually picked up seven, I believe. Yeah, Three, we, four, five, did. Six, we picked seven. up seven. We picked up seven. So we've got a tight end in Romello Brooker, a defensive tackle in Omarius Bryant. Marwin Evans joins the secondary at safety. Heard, as we mentioned. Patrick Lawrence is an offensive tackle. Tyrell Thompson's a DT. And we got another wide receiver in Levante Whitfield. So 
I feel like the talent that we've added is exactly what we need. We need a, a few more targets for Nelson to just try and see if somebody clicks with him. We need some pressure on that defensive line so that we're containing the other team's quarterback and, and getting some pressure on him. That was one thing that the D-line didn't do against Perez. Didn't get a whole lot of interior pressure on him, and he was able to hit the, the passes that he wanted to hit. So I feel like these are all really solid pickups. I'm sorry to hear that Martino's injured, right. but uh, it, it gives opportunity for new playmakers. So I'm curious to see what happens. Yeah, me too. Um, I don't really recognize too many other names, if I'm being you know completely honest. Uh, now Jabowu going down, he went down in the game on Saturday, and it looked it looked not not fun. <laughs> so uh, I don't know how long he'll be out. I didn't see the injury report for him, but I think it was like an arm or something. Might have been a leg. I don't know. It's something. But uh, yeah, no. So yeah, Hurd's oh. back, and I'm happy about that. Okay, That's okay, okay. About. Here, here's 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 why we didn't recognize him. Levante is, goes by the nickname Kermit. Well, I like it. Kermit Whitfield was a wideout for L.A. and got dropped about a week ago. Oh, you're right. Yes, you're right. Yeah. So, so I guess we just took their guy. We just picked up. We, we just we just picked up a guy that wasn't fitting in Los Angeles's offensive scheme, and we're going to see if we can get him to fit into ours. So, uh, screw calling him Levante. I'm calling him Kermit Whitfield oh, from yeah, here Kermit. on out. So, welcome to the squad, Gerard Hurd and Kermit Whitfield. Hopefully, they start uh, bringing a, a little bit of an instant presence to this team. Just anemic offensively. Like, Nelson had 209 in week one against St. Louis, had 206 against New York. Yeah. He's pretty consistent. Yeah, he is. But he needs to pick it up. And hopefully, these guys can help him do it. That and play calling, and I think maybe... Maybe it happens. Well, okay, let's talk about play calling real quick because it was announced either yesterday or today that Hal Mummy is no longer the offensive coordinator for Dallas. They are blaming his leg injury from breaking his leg in last week's game against Houston. Blaming. blaming. We're using very heavy air quotes for blaming. people listening on iTunes and Google Play and stuff like that. They are they are blaming his blaming. leg injury, saying that he's no longer – uh, performing the duties that he needs to perform or something like that. It sounds like a commercial for Viagra, if you ask me. <laughs> but but they did end up promoting Jeff Jagodzinski to the OC spot. He was the offensive line coach. And so he's going to be in charge of the strategy. Uh, but the play calling is actually going to go to the running backs coach, Bobby Blizzard. And you and I both kind of feel like this is a a move in the right direction because we just literally just talked about how running backs were very underutilized in last week's game. And now the running backs coach is going to be making the play calls. I can't help but wonder if we're going to be seeing some stretches, some more screen passes, some things that get artist Payne and Dunbar a little bit more action. Yeah. Um, if they can just, you know, spread it, spread it out a little more and then just mixing up the run and the, the pass. Just not being so predictable, oh, you're going to pass, oh, you're going to pass, because you see when teams are just running the ball, they'll stack the box. That's when you hit them with a the deep pass, boom, big play, touchdown possibly. So that was one thing that I didn't understand why we didn't integrate that into this week's game because it works so well against Houston. You get down to like two-yard line and you do that little end around a Dunbar. It's basically a run play, but he's set up in the slot. So you're thinking pass, you put him in motion, and then all of a sudden he's in for six. Artis Payne had a couple of really good screen receptions on the road, had one against Houston that got a first down. 
I was really expecting more out of that kind of Dinkin and Duncan, where you're getting screens, you're getting end arounds, you're getting some uh, some stuff that's going to go to guys who know how to get yards and know how to make plays. Hopefully that happens with Bobby Blizzard's play calls this week. We'll see. I I, I hope so. I think I think it will. Uh, a guy with a name that cool can't suck at coaching. I mean, I mean he can't. He, like, can, he can't. By by his very essence, he really shouldn't be able. To, to do anything like that. Um, uh, Zach, I just got some insider information from the Insider Celtics. Uh, oh, apparently, boy. and this is big, this is why I'm going to take the rest of this segment to talk about this, maybe a little more. The governor of Washington State has an announcement saying that there might be a ban on events and social gatherings attended by more than 250 people. Do you know what that means, Zach, for the XFL? That means Seattle's home games are going to be pathetic. That means... They can't have. They can. They're probably going to do what has been rumored around other leagues is just the players, the coaches, and the media, and that's it. Well, even then, the media is probably not going to be allowed in the locker rooms. Oh well, no, probably not. But but just the fact that there might be no fans at those Seattle home games would be tough. That is a really big disadvantage to Seattle because they have like the second highest attendance in the league or something like that, and to be able to. To not be able to play in front of them would be devastating because that that is a true home field advantage situation yeah. for them is to have that crowd to have the what do they call it, the dragon's lair or something yeah, the like dragon's that dragon's lair yeah to have the dragon's cool. lair behind them like that's a kick ass name by the way but to not have that behind you would be a huge blow to morale and could honestly affect the way the game is played because there's going to be a lot of over communicating there's going to be a lot of calls that get heard. There's going to be a lot of, you know, yelling and trash talking and stuff that's going to get picked up on the ambient mics when somebody's broadcasting the game. Right. Like, it, it changes the whole dynamic of the way the game gets played. And it's not confirmed. It's just reportedly. So we'll have to bring you all more information as we get more information. Um, but could this possibly hit the whole XFL? Well, it's, it's hitting a lot of places. Like, yeah. South by Southwest in Austin got canceled. A couple of festivals got canceled. Coachella's Coachella's been postponed, postponed until October. Ultra got canceled. Ultra got canceled, and then uh, there are a lot of conference tournaments in collegiate basketball going League. on right now. The Ivy League completely canceled theirs, yeah. and I think, I think it's the Ohio Valley or the MAC. They play their championship game in Ohio, and right now the Ohio governor says you can't allow more than like two thousand people into a venue or something yeah. like that. So. I think the Mac is going to be playing their entire conference tournament without fans in it. Probably, yeah. So, so this is this is crazy. What do you think this means for the XFL if this actually happens? Uh, I mean, I feel like I feel like it might actually help television viewership. Yeah, yeah because you got to watch on TV. You've go got you have to watch it on TV in order to get in your experience. Uh, if it ends up hitting Dallas as a season ticket holder, I'm going to ask for a partial refund if I'm not allowed to attend the games. Oh, you got it, yeah. Like, from a financial standpoint, the teams and the league are probably going to take a hit, but I do think it could be counteracted with increased advertising revenue on the broadcast. So, like, financially, it should even out, but it would definitely be a weird dynamic to see a bunch of empty stadiums every time a game's being played. Because I know the St. Louis faithful are going to want to be able to go see their team play. I know the Houston faithful are loving watching their undefeated Roughnecks right now. Yep. Seattle's got a real home field advantage. Like, there are several teams in this league that aren't going to have... <coughs> excuse me. 
they aren't going to have that home field advantage anymore if this becomes a league-wide effect. Zach, was that a cough? It was a cough. I'm getting choked up over this situation. Are you sure it's just being choked up, Zach? I am just choked up, yes. It it makes me very emotional. Folks listening, I'm putting my mask on right now (laughs) to uh, protect (laughs) myself from the coronavirus. So, uh... (laughs) My corona. (laughs) It's another good song. You were were singing COVID-19. COVID-19. Yeah. There's there's plenty of jokes to be made, plenty of memes going around the internet about the coronavirus. Maybe we'll come up with a Renegades-themed one if something like that happens. I mean, I guess we could say that the offense was infected with corona or something like that. I don't know. Probably probably in poor taste. But, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of the, the big stuff that's going on in Dallas as far as the uh, expanded roster is concerned, as far as uh, Jagodzinski becoming the new OC, Bobby Blizzard, the running back coach, now handling play calling, um, if they end up playing in front of a empty stadium, that'll be a different dynamic. But I mean, Dallas right now is playing better on the road than they are at home. Maybe they're feeling too much pressure from the fans to eke one out, and they might do better without some of their fans there. That who, that could be. Who knows? We'll just wait and see. Who knows? Hopefully that isn't what comes to pass because I'm really looking forward to these last two home games. we got to get a home victory if we're going to have playoff contention. So we'll get to that and then some. But we're running short on time, so let's go ahead and send things over to chamber number six. Chamber number six is our – no, I said six, didn't I? You said, yeah. Let's go to six. It's We're done for the night, folks. We are done. We're done. No, nah, chamber, chamber four. Chamber four. Sorry, false alarm. Uh, chamber number four is our player profile. We got like a player of the week. And uh, even though we didn't have a very big game last week against New York, only four catches for 34 yards, I think it's only proper that we give some props and give some respect to a guy that's – Honestly, getting some NFL attention. Yes, he is. And he's definitely getting a lot of league attention for his production there. Um, still third in the XFL in receiving yards. And uh, the only tight end in the top five, Mr. Donald Parham. What a guy, dude. Six foot eight tight end out of Stetson. Uh, currently third in the league in receiving yards with 307. And honestly, he is the playmaker for Dallas on the offensive side of the ball. He should uh, be the number is, one target. Each he's the time. number one receiver, and well, for a good reason. He's six foot eight. Right. You can't tell me some of these five ten guards or uh, five ten safeties and cornerbacks are are, go- are covering him because they're not. He just throw the ball up, let him go get it. Right. Should be a jump pass to go and and fetch it every time. Doesn't mean that's what happens every time. But uh, the twenty two year old out of Lakeland, Florida really kind of flew under the radar for a lot of his career because he didn't start playing football until his senior year of high school. Up until that point, he was a basketball player. Right. And he, I, I don't know if he was being recruited to play college basketball that much, but uh, Stetson saw his potential as a football player. Yep. And he got some playing time his freshman and sophomore year, didn't record a whole lot of stats. I think his first two years – he had a combined 450 receiving yards or something like that. Not a lot of production. But his senior year, 2018, played in just nine ball games. And in those nine ball games, he had 1,300 receiving yards and 13 touchdown catches. That's good at any level, dude. I, oh, don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't care what anybody says. I don't care if they're saying, well, it's only Stetson. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. 1,300 yards out of a tight end 
and 13 touchdowns in a shortened season. He had an injury in one game, and then I think there was another issue where he wasn't able to play. And so um, only having nine games under his belt and being able to put up that kind of production, it led to a preseason invite with the Washington Redskins, but in the four games that he appeared in, he only recorded one catch for 25 yards. So he ends up here in the XFL, and now he's tearing it up. Like you said, over 300 receiving yards. The only players that have more receiving yards than him right now are Dan Williams from the Vipers and Cam Phillips from Houston. Now, Jalen Tolliver had himself a pretty decent game for the Vipers yeah, last did. week, yes, he did. and he's up to 297 receiving yards. So it's interesting to take a look at this and see that the Vipers have two running backs in the top three in rushing yards, and they've got two receivers in the top four in receiving yards. And they're one and four. And yet they've got a one and four <laughs> record. You know that you know what that says? The defense yep. is not 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 good. It has not nothing it has nothing to do with the offense. I mean, they put up thirty four points, which in this league, points can kind of come at a little bit of a premium. And yet uh they gave up 41, which is the first 40-point performance in this five-week season. Nobody else has been able to hit the 40-point mark, but Tampa's defense gave up 41 to L.A. So that is one thing that I feel like could be to Dallas's advantage when we end up playing them, that Dallas is good on the road, number one. And number two, if this is the kind of porous defense that we can expect to face, then... I would expect our defense to be able to lock down enough to give us some offensive production against them. But, again, we'll probably be playing with Philip Nelson under center, so... I hope to God they play Eric Dungy. Kind of I a, really kind of a wild Eric card Dungy. situation there. But the, whole, the fans are crying for Dungy. Or, give me Broback, man. Brogan Roback. Brogan Roback. Yeah, my bad. Broback. Well, bro, hey, bro, bro. hey, you put his name together, it's Broback, it and bro honestly, back. he looks like a bro. So, he, I mean, you know. That's fair. That's a good nickname. That's I fair. I just came up with it. I, uh, trademark that. Give me the money. Let's go. Let's ride. Let's ride. Who's, whose slogan is that? That's not our slogan. No, it's not. Uh, I don't know what let's It's been used there, in movies there, there's and a, stuff. There's another. Let's Roll is from 9-11, the, the guy on the plane. Uh, let's Roll. That's the, I feel that's like, the big one. I feel like there's a team though that's their 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 slogan is let's ride, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hyper focus on it too much. Um Donald Parham, what else can you say about this guy's production, his consistency? Like when you went to that game, did you notice just how loud the crowd was when he got announced during the yeah. during the lineups? He's become a fan favorite, Zach. Yes. He is he is a fan favorite and looking at him lining up on that field, like like we said earlier. Excuse me. Like we said earlier, he needs to be the number one receiver because he towers over everybody. Yep. He catches the ball too. That's one thing he hasn't fumbled. I'm pretty sure right. if he has, he has I, one time. Yeah, I can't remember a time when he's done that. I can't remember either. And and he does have. I'm, I haven't seen many hit off his hands, and especially yeah. hit off the hands and tipped up for a An receiver to come and you know, yeah. for a cornerback uh, or somebody to come in and intercept. That's it. also true. So so he he's reli- He's old reliable. Mm-hmm. He's tall. He can catch the ball. He is the guy for the Renegades on the offensive side of the ball. He should be. With Landry Jones hurt, he is the guy. Well, and that's ironic, too, because you you and I were kind of expecting some increased production from Gerard Hurd, and the team has been kind of pitching Bidette as the primary receiving target. 
And yet here comes Donald Parham out of nowhere having himself a heck of a season to be in the top five receiving after the midway point of the season in the league. I think people would have been happy with him being in the top five on this roster for receiving. Yeah. And to be on the top five in the league is something else. He was on the uh, couple of uh, uh, fan pages released their like midseason awards and he was on he was on the all XFL team. Uh, so, you know, he, he, if he continues what he's doing, I think the, the Renegades are going to be just fine. I think Parham and McGinnis, two players that we have profiled now, are the two best shots at playing NFL ball. Oh, yeah, easily. Easily. Like, they are two of, names that keep coming up when we talk about the NFL. Out of everybody that I have seen on this roster, don't get me wrong, Hawkins looks like he oh, can yeah, like yeah, he can lock down somebody as well. But these are all players that we've profiled here on the podcast, and they are all bringing a lot to the table for the Renegades, and that's really cool. That's really impressive. Here's hoping that he has a decent game against D.C. because the way D.C.'s defense kind of shut down Jordan Tamu and their offensive scheme, this week's game looks pretty interesting. Yes, it does. And honestly, I I feel good about him, and I feel good about the stats he's going to put up this week. All right. Well, speaking of this week, let's go ahead and take a look at our next chamber of the night. It's time for chamber number five. Now, this one is actually chamber number five. Yes, it is. It's actually chamber number five. Yes, it is. But uh, let, let's just take a look at some of the uh, statistical leaders from last week's game for DC. There really isn't a whole lot to talk about, which is why I'm getting to that first, because Tyree Jackson was only 9 of 14 for 39 yards and a touchdown. And that touchdown went to, I think it was Kari Lee. Yep. Three catches, 14 yards, and a touchdown. Like, there really wasn't a whole lot happening through the air. And Jarrell Presley kind of paced the team for 107 yards on 15 carries. 100 yards is pretty good in the XFL, but, I mean, only 107 yards on 15 carries. Seems like D.C. was just taking advantage of St. Louis mistakes, keeping St. Louis out of the end zone, and then just making the most of the opportunities they had. It's very fundamental football but it was effective enough for a 15-6 to well, six win. Well, I will say in Presley's defense, that's about seven yards a carry, which isn't terrible. That's not bad. That's actually pretty that's good. That gets your first downs. And so, but it was just a real defensive game. And yeah. that's that's the problem for this upcoming game is I don't know how defensive this game is going to be. I don't know if it's going to be a repeat of last week. What's going to happen is the Renegades are going to have to, what we said all along tonight, it's <laughs> just – Mix up the play call and don't let them start guessing your plays. And because minimize your freaking turnovers. Exactly. Because if you don't do that, your defense will be back out on the field most of the game again. They will get gassed, and then Jackson, Presley, and Lee will destroy you. I sounded like like such a basic analyst when I gave this take a couple of weeks ago for the Houston game. Like I said, if they play clean football, if they minimize their turnovers, like I went back and listened to it and I'm like, oh my gosh, that sounds so basic. But that's really where this offense is at. You've got to get back to basics. You've got to get back to fundamentals. You've got to be able to get first downs. You've got to be able to get into the red zone enough to be able to actually put the ball in the end zone. Right. Like, as long as you're... Being consistent on offense, you're not turning it over. You're giving your defense time to rest so they can get back out there and lock them down. Like, I really do think that we have the potential to pull it off. Yeah, I agree. I do. But that's that's the inherent problem is this, this Philip Nelson factor. <laughs> you can't expect the man to go turnoverless, and you can't expect the man to get you any touchdowns 
because the only way you can look <laughs> at future behavior is by looking at past behavior. The yep. man's got two games played, and he's got four or five field goals to show for it. Yep. Yep, Zach. Uh, let, let the hate flow through you, oh Zach. Oh, my gosh. My God. I feel like you're not the number one Philip Nelson stan. No. I can definitely, I can definitely no. sense this sitting here with you tonight. What, what teamed you <laughs> off? What could have ever made you think that? So what do you think then? Do you think we start Dungey? That, that, okay. This was a question you asked me on Facebook. Yep. And I had a feeling this was going to come up in tonight's episode. Has to. I am not really that big of a fan of starting Dungey either because the coaches have seen what he can do in practice. Yeah. They've seen what he can do in training camp. Yeah. They have taken a look at where he is currently at. He is not the Dungey of Syracuse. He is the Dungey of today. And the stuff that he is doing today has not impressed Mummy or Stoops or Blizzard or anybody else on the offensive side of the football enough to warrant him anything better than third on the depth chart. And why do you think they let him tend to those family emergencies so readily and so readily welcomed him back? Because the options in this league are extremely limited. You've got maybe two quarterbacks on Team 9, but other than that, you're not trading for another quarterback from somebody else in the right. league. Some people suggested going and getting flowers. Getting flowers, yep. But I, I, I followed like this really long Twitter thread that showed somebody that actually had a text exchange with an offensive coach from Tampa, and they said, no, we're not trading him. Why would we give somebody else an advantage? Yeah, like they exactly. are They are keeping their playmaker in-house. They know what they've got. They just haven't been able to utilize him properly. And so, no, you're not going to be able to trade for somebody, and you're not going to find any better anybody better from Team 9. As much as I want Kincaid to succeed, he's brand new to the league, so he doesn't deserve to start. Even though Dungy has had some opportunities, I don't think he deserves to start either. Right. As, as much as I hate to admit it, the best option Dallas is able to use right now, if they could bring in somebody else or try and recruit a college kid or something like that, then it's a different ball game. But with the options that they have right now, they've got Nelson, they've got Roback, they've got Dungy, and then they could try and get Kincaid from Team 9. That's who they've got available right now. Out of those options, Philip Nelson is the least of those evils, as unfortunate <laughs> as that is. It's really sad when you have to go for the lesser of all evils as your quarterback, not, not your wide receiver, not a running back, not a... Not an offensive guard not, or tackle or not center. Not a linebacker. Like, this is probably... The head of your offense, you're looking at the lesser of the, th I guess, three evils they have right now. Three so, or four, yeah. So that's that's not a good feeling, Zach, especially heading into a game against a tough D.C. team. I actually have another bet on the line with this game. Oh, dear God. Now, are I don't have to shotgun. I, I haven't. When I, are you going <laughs> to learn your lesson? You know, if you ask my friend Jackson that, uh, he, he says that I never will. And honestly, he's probably right. Now, it's with my good friend Andrew uh, uh, Vega from uh, UTA. He's a D.C. fan. Why? Uh, is he from D.C.? I, I think so, because he's also an Eagles fan. I know. I don't know how I'm friends with him. It's oh, weird. man. So he said... That's really unfortunate. He said the loser of this game has to wear the gear 
of the other team for one day. So I'm gonna have to come back. Oh, I that's guess. like the that's like the mayoral bet that yeah, happened. Yeah, it's the between... mayoral bet. So, okay. so I'm not losing money. I'm not having a shotgun seltzer. Uh, so that's okay. good. I mean, you know, it's 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 a nice and fun you, bet. And you it's can a fun bet. And you can wear it like on your day off. You don't have to like wear it to work, do you? No, no. I'd have to come down here and get it from you. Okay. Uh, and then I have to bring it back. Oh, I guess or, or I just hang out. You know, just UTA. hang out for the day. I'll or just go something. back to UTA and hang out and walk around with a DC shirt on. <laughs> yeah, I know that. If you can't see, you can't see our faces, but we both just grimaced. Uh, Talk about yeah, hanging you, out. You can UTA. see it on you can see it on the live video on Facebook. <laughs> uh, follow us on Facebook, by the way, at facebook.com/slash/xflroundup. If you haven't followed us on Facebook already, we've got episode two on there that we did live, and this is episode five that we've done live. And we'll just try and do some of these infrequently whenever we can. But um, the the strategy for this week's game against DC, the strategy, they. They got outgained by Seattle, three hundred nineteen to two fifty six. Yeah. But Seattle went zero for three in the red zone. Yeah. They went zero for three in the red zone, and Jordan Tamu got sacked four times and was hit another seven times. They were disruptive on defense. How does Dallas minimize that disruptive defense enough to get enough points to win this ball game? I think they just have to rely on their offensive line to protect Philip Nelson. And then you, once again, just mix up your play calls. Draws, bubble screens, go throw it deep. Let Philip Nelson sling it. And then if he's really I, – I know, I know, Zach. I know, we, uh, we don't want to let him sling it, but he has to no, sling it. If, if he, he slings it, he throws a pick. If and he then it doesn't goes. sling it, then we're, we're screwed. We are screwed because – you, you got to be able to mix it up. You got to be able to mix up how far you're throwing the ball. You can't just keep doing these little dinky dunk passes. And that's what happened last week, and New York caught on to it. See, I'm I'm with you that you can't just dink and dunk, but I really feel like it needs to be more about the ground game than it does about uh, slinging it deep. Because I don't think that's where Nelson is right. strongest. Well, okay, I'm not saying sling it deep all the time. I'm just saying mix it in there. I mean, mix it a couple, a couple. I mean, if it's there, I would. If it's there, I. The problem is Nelson doesn't read his progressions. Right. I watched him in last week's game, and if he saw one person that was open, he followed him like a like a beeline until that guy was open. Never mind Bedette on a go route. Never mind seeing um, Dunbar coming out of the backfield and having a, a dump off that could have gotten a first down. Like he was telegraphing his passes ninety percent of the time. So I think it needs to be taken out of his hands, honestly. I think we need to take it out of Nelson's hands and put it in the hands of other playmakers. Do end-arounds to players like Hurd and Bidette. Yep, do, that'd be good. Do running plays to players like Artis Payne and Dunbar. Tr- trick plays. Hey, do those end-arounds. Give it to Hurd. He, he played quarterback in college. Exactly, he can throw it. Exactly, exactly. Put in a couple of trick plays or, or a second forward pass. Do like that, that wide receiver screen that can be thrown a second time. Like, I'm for mixing it up, but I feel like it needs to be mixing up that happens outside of Philip Nelson's control. Yeah. If you do something like that and you put it in the hands of the guys that are capable of making big plays, then I think Dallas has a chance. Also, time of possession. Be on the lookout for time of possession. If DC is controlling the time of possession and getting Dallas's defense winded again, it could spell a long day. I agree, Zach, and uh, honestly, we can talk all the talk, but it's all going to come down to what Renegades team walks out of that tunnel at Audi Field on uh, 
Saturday, right? Saturday. It's a Sunday. 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 It's a Sunday, Sunday game, yeah. three p.m. on Fox Sports One. So there's our there's our takes for what to do against DC this week. But uh, we've also got to take a look at the betting line and go ahead and make our predictions as we always do. It's time for chamber number six. All right, chamber number six. What are we looking at for the line in this week's game, Joe? The line for this week's game, DC is the favored team by four and a half points. All right. And what's the over-under? The over-under, 35 and a half. Oh, boy. Oh, man. I I'm... know. We both went 0-3 last week. We we got the scores wrong. We got the team winning wrong. And we got. I think we both took the under, and it was the over. Man, this is so... tough. This is tough because if this was just an XFL podcast, I'd probably end up taking DC in this one, if I'm being totally <laughs> honest. I don't have as much faith in Nelson as I would like to have. I don't and either, that's yeah. super unfortunate. However... Instead of putting my faith in Nelson, I'm going to put my faith in the defense. I'm going to say if we can get the running game going and we can even up the time of possession with them, we stand a chance. Okay. Especially being road warriors. Yes. So yes, that's important. We are we are what two and zero on the road? Yes, we are two and zero on the two road. We are road. road warriors, and we look good. We look we look like a completely different team on the road. We do. We really do. Now, granted, those two road games were with Landry Jones, a quarterback. Uh, that's true. And they were against Seattle and L.A., which aren't two of – they aren't – well, really, D.C.'s an up-and-down team as well. They had those two – They can be. Those two road games, uh, they were not good. But they're at home. They have the beer snake mojo. So I think it's just going to come, come down to it's, – it's literally the road warriors versus the home kings. Versus the beer snakes, yeah. Versus the beer snakes. <laughs> it's, it's, it's entirely possible. However, I do think this could end up being the most competitive game of the week. If you take a look at the other games to expect in this coming week, you've got Houston at New York. I think Houston wins that. You've got St. Louis at Tampa Bay. I think St. Louis bounces back and wins that. You've got L.A. at Seattle. As impressive as L.A. was, I think Seattle wins that one. Yeah. So this game here could be the biggest wild card of the week. But I'm going to take the under. Okay. I'm going to take the under and say that the, it turns into another defensive battle. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take, take Dallas by a score of 13-9. to Very low scoring. It's going to be very low scoring because I don't have a whole lot of faith in Nelson's offensive production. Right. So I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say that he puts up 20 because he couldn't put up 20 last week. He put up 12. So it's on the defense in this game. Right. If you can. If you can minimize the touchdowns, like give up one and then give up a field goal. That's where I'm seeing the nine coming from. Okay. So I'm. I'm saying that we don't keep them out entirely, but. We do minimize the damage, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take Dallas thirteen to nine. You know, life is too short, especially with coronavirus all around us. Uh oh. To take the under, but in this case, I have to take the under. There's no way this breaks thirty five and a half points. Uh, a defensive struggle. I feel like I feel like Hawk has another interception or two. Yeah. Um, I can see that. And I think Dallas covers, and. You know, you're right. If this was an XFL podcast, I'm taking DC. I really have no faith in Philip Nelson. Um, but I will say Dallas 12, DC 10. Oh wow! Yeah, super close game. See, I'm giving Dallas the four point advantage where you have to like get it into the end zone yeah. in order to win. Yeah, 
if if DC marches it down and gets in a field goal range, that could be a heck of a finish. I, I wouldn't. I'm thinking four field goals from our boy Austin McGinnis, and oh. and then uh, DC gets um, a field goal and a seven point play. Interesting. Yep. Very interesting. Well, that is going to do it for this week's episode of Renegades Roundup. Be sure to find us on social media at Renegades underscore pod on Twitter and uh, Facebook.com forward slash XFL Roundup. This podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Breaker, Podbean, Radio Public, and our hosting site, Anchor. You can find all of those distribution links at Anchor. Uh, it's Anchor.com, isn't it, or is it Anchor.fm? I forget. Uh, it's it's anchor.fm. Well, the main site is anchor.fm. Hold on one second. I don't want to tell you all the wrong thing. I'm going to go to the Anchor app here and take a look at our distribution. Uh, da, 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 distribution status. Yeah, anchor.fm forward slash renegades dash roundup. You can find links to all of those other places I mentioned from right there. And, of course, I am at Zach the Voice. On all my major platforms like Facebook and Twitter, Joe, where can the folks find you? You changed uh, your name. Twitter, recently. I changed my name. Uh, you know, the company I work with really didn't want them being blast blasted all over with the dude shotgunning two seltzers. So I have changed my Twitter name to Joe really? Scanlon TV. That that's why you had to change it. They oh no, they didn't tell me. I'm just I'm trying to get ahead of the curve uh, here. So uh, so I am on Twitter now. It's Joe Scanlon TV. No spaces, no underscores. Just Joe Scanlon TV. And Joe Scanlon on Facebook. So, yeah, find me. A little bit of a cleaner look there. And we're hoping for a clean game for these Dallas Renegades. And we're just hoping for a win to go to 3-0 and on the road and get a little bit of our mojo back and see what happens in the weeks to come. Landry Jones is expected back at the end of the month uh, on the 29th when we host Seattle. But we've got another couple of games in between then. So we'll see what happens. But in the meantime, everybody, raise some hell. Yeah!